everybody. It's so good. Yeah, give them a round of applause. That was great. It is so good to see all of you. If you feel comfortable, this would be the perfect time to stand up to worship our amazing God. Good morning, everybody. Let's put our hands together. Wake up, eyes open wide to mercy, waiting that's brand new. Your love's taking me over again, over again. Your hands lifting me up so I find wherever I go. Your love's taking me over again, over again. service where I'm going to ask you to take out your smartphone and we want to connect with you. You can go to the app 
or you can text nine, I'm sorry, NCC Connect to 94090. And that just helps us to keep you informed about what's going on at North Point. And also, we just want to know that you're here because we need each other, right? We need each other. I was sitting down here and I was looking at all the people walking in and I was thanking God and I was just like, Lord, thank you for these people who recognize that they need you. And I know that you can find God in your own personal time and you can find him in other ways, but there is something powerful about coming together on a Sunday morning to worship God. Amen? Amen. So do that for me. Uh, we also have opportunities for you to give. We have an app for you, or you can also text NCC give to 77977 and that's just a secure electronic way for you to give back to God what he has given to you. If you didn't come prepared to give electronically, we do have boxes in the back of the auditorium for you to give your offering that way. So I've missed you guys. I've been gone the last two Sundays in God's country, the UP. Yes, thank you for that. The UP is just a beautiful place. It's When I'm up there, I just feel God. It's just, it's glorious. But you know what? You also feel God when you're together with your people, with your other Christ followers. I was reading in 1 Corinthians 12 this morning, and talks, Paul is talking about the body of Christ and how we all have our own individual gifts. We're all created to do something in the body of Christ. And you've heard this message before if you've been in church. You've heard it. You know. You may even know what your gifts are. But you're all uniquely created to come together. At the end of the 12th chapter, Paul doesn't leave us hanging. He talks about the body being together, working together to do what only the body can do. But Paul says there's a way to do it. And he says, and I just love this about Paul. He's just, I love him. He says, and yeah, I will show you the most excellent way. So he doesn't leave us hanging. He tells us how we're going to do it. That leads into chapter 13, also known as the love chapter. And you've heard it if you've been to weddings. You've heard the love chapter about loving each other and all that stuff. But <laughs> he ends that, cha- that chapter with, he talks about faith, hope, and love and all that. But he says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love is something that I think we're wrestling a lot with lately. And I want to give you some encouragement. We've been doing the Facebook encouragement videos on our Facebook page since COVID started. We thought it was just a great way to encourage you, um, and and we hope that it has been. So here's my encouragement for you today. In the world that we live in right now, with all the anger and the nastiness and the bitterness that's going on, one thing that will help you is to look at other people as having the innocence of a child. So people that may disagree with you, that may be saying hurtful things, that may just not be voting for the same candidate as you, look at them with the innocence of a child. Jesus tells us to do that. Love them. And I think looking at them that way is the easiest way to do it. I know that when I look at my kids, even when they're being nasty, which they can be, if I look at them that their actions and their attitudes and their words are really innocent, it helps me to love them more and to not become a crazy mom, which I do sometimes. So that's my encouragement to you. I'm so glad that you're here. I've missed you. So yay.
All right. Hey, good morning, North Point. How are we doing, guys? All right. Hey, we are in our fifth week of this What I'm Learning series where uh, we just get to talk as speakers to you guys about what we're learning, things that God is moving in our life, how Jesus is alive, the lessons that he's teaching us. Hopefully you've uh, been here most of the weeks to catch up on everything. If you've missed anything, man, follow along on the app. Uh, go online to the website, check those out for sure. And I'd encourage you this morning, go ahead uh, and break open that North Point app. Hopefully you already have it there. You can follow along today uh, where it says this week's talk and just keep along, fill in some blanks, do those kinds of things. Uh, I will be honest though, as we've done this series, uh, I've been a little intimidated. Uh, Chris has gotten up here a couple times and he has talked about these wonderful books that he reads and he showed how smart and intelligent he is because he does things like Read books. And uh, so he's brought them up here and he's talked about these. And I've thought to myself, man, I gotta, I gotta do that because I read good, right? <laughs> yeah, those of you who didn't get that joke, um, send your kids to school. So uh, <laughs> I thought, I, got, I gotta do that. I gotta get a book. I gotta show my intelligence. I gotta show these things that I can do it as well. And so I went home in my library and I looked on my book shelf. Singular. And I uh, looked at all my books and thought, all right, what do I have that will help people understand uh, what Jesus is talking about here, what we're going to talk about? And so I searched and searched and I found it, guys. I found a book that you can take home, you can study to get this biblical principle even more. Uh, it is called The Butter Battle Book by Dr. Seuss. Why are we laughing? Come on, you didn't laugh at Chris's books? Dang. All right, here we go. This is The Butter ba- Stay. The Butter Battle Book by Dr. Seuss, and this is one of my favorite books growing up as a kid. Uh, I had to order this, and uh, the church bought my daughter a free book, so thank you guys very much. Um, but I had to order this because I loved it as a kid, and what it does is it tells the story of two people groups, the Ukes and the Zooks. And the Ukes hate the Zooks, and the Zooks hate the Ukes, right? We're already like in Dr. Seuss land together. Can't you feel it? And, and the reason that they hate each other is because the Ukes butter their bread right side up. And the Zooks butter their bread upside down. Crazy. Anarchy, right? What are these people thinking? And his book goes on to talk about how awful the other group is. That this is written from the perspective of the right-sided butterers, and they talk about how terrible that those butter upside down people are. And, And so what they do is they actually build this wall to separate the two people groups, and in that they guard this wall from one another. And the story is about this this general or this guard who walks the wall, and when people would get close, he would hit them with a switch. Well, then what happens is the other people group, the Zooks, come back with a slingshot, and they shoot down his switch. Terrorists, right? Okay, so all of this stuff that's going on, and so what happens? They get bigger weapons and better weapons to fight the other group. And then what happens then? The other group gets bigger and better weapons, and the wall gets bigger between them, and the disdain gets bigger between them, and they can't tell how horrible the other group is until you get to the very end of the book. Spoiler alert. They are standing on top of the wall, each group holding a teeny tiny little doomsday device, wondering who will drop it first. And in typical Dr. Seuss fashion... He kind of leaves us hanging there at the end. But I love this book as a kid, uh, and, it, and it has a lot of parallels actually with the Cold War uh, when you look into it from when it was written. But it all starts out with two people groups that just simply disagree on how to butter their bread, each believing that the other one is the wrong people in the story. See, we live in a world today that is full of wrong people. People. And what simply makes a person 
wrong is for me, they simply don't think or believe or vote or view or see the world in the exact same way that I do. Because I see the world right. So if you don't see it my way, then realistically, you're just wrong. And we're not here today to kind of talk about what actually is right and what is wrong. Like, we do that all the time. It's part of studying God's Word uh, to figure out how to, how to grow closer to Jesus, how to live and be more like Him. But the goal for today is to discuss what is it that you and I do as Christ followers, uh, as disciples, as people who are, who are changed by Jesus, who are, who are moved by Jesus, who, who are called by Jesus, committed to the mission of Jesus. How are you and I to react when we encounter the wrong people in our lives? Or to put it plainly, how do we love people that simply disagree with us? See, the first thing that we, we know and as we read in, into the life of Jesus, we see all over the place that you and I were called to love the wrong people in our lives. You and I are called to love the wrong people in our lives. Jesus calls us and tells us to love Others And the cool thing is Jesus didn't give his followers a suggestion or advice when he was walking the earth, but rather he said, I give you a new command. Even in Jesus' day, there were wrong people all around. In fact, Jesus got yelled at a lot by, by church people for spending too much time with the wrong people. And Jesus' followers and some of his closest friends were actually made up of the wrong People And the commands of Jesus' day when he was walking the earth, doing his ministry, man, they would always say, hey, don't be around those people. They're wrong. They think wrong. They act wrong. They do wrong. They're wrong. Don't be near them. In fact, avoid them at all costs. And they would actually take in their travels long journeys around the wrong group of people so that they didn't come near them or be around them. And yet, in spite of all of that, Jesus brings a new command that is simply to love one another. John 13, Jesus said it this way. He said, a new command I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Uh, the thing that I, I love and notice here about Jesus' command is that it is very specific in action, but it is broad in application. It's specific in action, but it is broad in application. It's specific in that Jesus says, just as I have loved you, you are to love as well. Jesus is the standard and the example of what our love is to look like. That Jesus' love is, is sacrificial. That Jesus loves even the wrong people. In fact, I think if we look at Romans chapter 12, man, it perfectly sums up what that love is to look like. It says this, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the, low, the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. 
Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And that's the kind of love that you and I are to give. It's specific, and it's a rare kind of love that we only fully begin to understand by first actually receiving it from Jesus. That first we get this love from God, and then we're able to give it out freely and broadly. It's specific in action, love like Jesus, but it's broad in application in the idea that we are to love one another. See, I think one of the greatest lies that we've all told at some point in time is simply this. Uh, I have read and agree to the terms and conditions, right? Like we've all clicked, seen pictures like this before where we click that little link, like click, click, right? Because honestly, like we agree, but we ain't read any of that stuff because we don't have any desire to go through any of that. Really, man, we just want to watch Netflix or get on the app store or get food delivered to my house, right? So we just, we just click that and say, hey, we are good to go here. Uh, I used to work uh, for an insurance company doing claims, and a huge part of that was understanding all of the terms and conditions of an insurance policy. That there were certain things that you know, they met the terms and conditions, and so uh, they were covered under the policy. And then there were things like mold that, that weren't covered under the policy. They weren't a part of the terms and conditions, and so we wouldn't pay for that kind of stuff. But all of life is full of terms and conditions, yeses and nos, apply and don't apply. Here's the thing for this command from Jesus. There are no terms and conditions to the love that we get from Jesus. And there are no terms and conditions to the love that we give as well. We get it and we give it. It doesn't say love as I have loved unless they are loud and annoying and an in-law, right? It doesn't say love as I have loved unless they vote blue or red. It doesn't say love as I have loved unless they believe in another religion or have a different sexual identity or support a Black Lives Matter movement or support law enforcement or they don't wear a mask or they make me wear a mask or they change how we do school or worst of all, they come from Ohio, right? (laughs) We love freely and broadly in these ways. The command is simple, love like Jesus loves. And if we're being honest, this is incredibly hard at times when it comes to the wrong people in our lives. So then how do we do that? How do we love like Jesus loves when I just fully disagree with somebody? I think for starters, it comes with this idea that, first of all, we need to show respect. To show respect. That if you want to love the wrong people in your life, those that that disagree with you, those that think differently than you or believe differently than you, if you want to love them like Jesus loves us, then it starts with showing respect. Not feeling respect, but showing respect. Respect. You cannot feel respect for somebody's point of view or somebody's beliefs or somebody's ideas and yet still show them respect. It's not always easy, but it is possible. We see countless times that Jesus did it and yet we have the capacity to do it as well. And it starts with listening. And if you want to be a good listener, you've got to get really, really good at asking questions. 
I'm talking like three-year-old asking why, 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 why. Like that good at asking questions. Ask questions to understand what somebody thinks. And then ask more questions to understand why they think that way. And then ask even more questions to understand what it was that led them to that kind of belief. You see, we ask questions not, not so we can poke holes not so we can begin to chip away at somebody's thinking, but really just to begin to understand them better. And one of the best ways that you and I can show respect is by seeking to understand someone better. A lot of times we tend to ask questions so that we can think about what we're going to say next or to begin to poke holes in an argument or to begin to put up a wall or a defense or get our weapons ready. Man, that's not listening. That's not respect. That's not love. Once you understand somebody, what they think, why they think it, what led them to that belief, then you can begin to disagree with them and still show them love. And a big part of being able to do that comes with this idea of controlling your emotions in that disagreement. We talked about this idea a couple weeks ago. Uh, James chapter 1 says this, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Check this out, guys. You don't have to get angry or emotional when someone disagrees with you or is wrong. You don't. You don't have to get offended. In fact, when you lash out or when you say something cruel or when you type something hateful or you get angry or you just have to prove your point or you stoop to name calling or whatever else it may be, you are now wrong. You are now wrong. That's not showing respect. That's not showing love. That's not what is right. It is just wrong. Philippians 2 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. When you value making your point instead of the person that you're talking to, then you're in the wrong. Even if your point is right even if your thinking is right, even if your belief is right, you are now wrong. Why? Because people, people are more valuable than your point. People are more valuable than your point. You can disagree, but you cannot diminish others. That is not loving like Jesus. That's not loving the wrong people the way that Jesus loves Others. This is why you have to start with respect. You have to ask questions. Be quick to hear what somebody has to say. Actually listen to what they're saying. Be slow to speak. Don't be thinking about what you're going to say next. Control your emotions and be slow to get angry. This is the baseline for respect. And respect is the baseline for loving like Jesus. So the first thing we can do when we Uh, to love the wrong people in our life is simply to show respect. 
And once we've shown respect, uh, there are other things to do. And there are going to be times in our life where what we really need to do is we've got to stop yelling at the wall. Stop yelling at the wall. See, who here loves Ikea? Where's my Ikea people? Right? <laughs> Some of you guys are like, no, I've done that furniture. All right. Had a couple hands pop up in here. <laughs> There's a lot of wounded Ikea people in here today. All right. Here's the thing about Ikea. They have done two things really, 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 really well. Uh, number one, they have managed to put together a store that you can spend no less than two hours getting lost in and walking out with Swedish meatballs. And number two is they've created incredible furniture with terrible assembly, destruct- assembly instructions, right? Like, we've all been there before. Just terrible, terrible assembly instructions. And see, whenever I put together a piece of Ikea furniture, whether it's a coffee table or whatever, I, like, wind up cursing this coffee table in Swedish somehow, and it just drives me absolutely up a wall. Does anybody else here ever get get frustrated at inanimate objects? Like, you're working on something, and you get so stinking mad at it. Like, all right, you stinking coffee table. I've got four screws and eight places to put it in. Where do you go? Right? Or you're like, hey, lawnmower, you can't be breaking down on me. It's 90 degrees. I've still got half the lawn to go. Or computer, just load the presentation. My kid has got to get to online class already. Come on, right? Like, we've all felt that before, and we've yelled at inanimate objects. And what I have realized when I do these things is that it really doesn't make any difference whatsoever. <laughs> like, that coffee table doesn't magically go, my bad, ta-da, right? Okay, that doesn't happen at any point in time. Uh, when I, I actually burned my hand on a lawnmower at one point in time, but that was really more on me than it was on my lawnmower. Uh, but what I've recognized is that some fights, some arguments, some disagreements... Are pointless to have. You just wind up yelling at the wall. And we've all experienced this at some point in time, right? We've all experienced yelling at the wall, whether it's, it's Thanksgiving discussing politics uh, with your Uncle Bernie, whether it is some troll in the comment section of the internet. We know that it just ends in frustration and anger and just zaps us of all of our energy. So when that happens... When you find yourself in a discussion that is going nowhere but down, here's what you do. Stop yelling at the wall. Proverbs 26.4 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Proverbs 29, If a wise man has an argument with a fool, the fool only rages and laughs, and there is no quiet. Or my favorite, Proverbs 18.6. A fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. Right, the Bible can be funny sometimes in here. I love that. You actually have the choice to not engage with the person who is only interested in arguing with you. Yes, they are wrong. Yes, they know how to push your buttons. Yes, they say the dumbest things. But no, you do not have to engage with them. Log off. Walk away. Do whatever you have to do to keep a healthy boundary and not wind up yelling at the wall again and again and again. I ran across a meme uh, the other night on the internet because I couldn't sleep, so I'm just scrolling through, right? And, and I came across this one, and it made me laugh so hard. I've been sharing it with people all the time. Uh, and it says, if you w- want to argue with a conspiracy theorist, the best thing to do is to one up them. So if they come to you and they say, hey, the moon landing is fake, 
Your response is not to argue. Your response is to go, oh, you're one of those people that believes in the moon, right? (laughs) Beautiful, right? I laughed so hard. I loved that. I loved that. Because the, the reason is there is no sense in engaging in arguments with walls. We want to show respect and we want to show love like Jesus. And sometimes the best way to do that is to simply walk away and not engage in fruitless arguments or discussions. There is no win when you're just yelling at the wall. The other thing that we need to consider and we really need to get good at doing uh, is when we're, when we're with somebody and we want to love somebody uh, that, is, that is wrong in our life or, or disagrees with us, we need to borrow their shoes. Now, now, I'm not saying like hit them in the back of the head and snatch their sneakers. No, but we need to borrow their shoes. And what I mean by that has to do with this idea of empathy. Now, most of us have heard of, of sympathy, and we know sympathy well. We can literally relate to sympathy because sympathy suggests that you share the feelings of somebody else because of a similar experience that you've had. Like most of us can understand, uh, uh, can understand the loss of a loved one because we've experienced loss in our life. Most of us can understand uh, the pain of a breakup because we've experienced heartbreak in our own life. Empathy is similar to that, but it's very different as well. Empathy implies that you have the capacity to imagine the feelings that somebody else had, but you actually haven't felt them yourself. For instance, uh, who here has ever burned themselves on something before? Right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Couple times, right? Yeah, I, I can literally sympathize with you guys. As I mentioned earlier, I, I burned my hand on a lawnmower, and I had to have it wrapped up like Mickey Mouse for a week. Okay? Yeah. Horrible, horrible, horrible thing. My wife had a great time on social media that day with that kind of thing. Uh, but we've shared a similar experience, right? Like, we're burn buddies. Yay. <laughs> All right? So we've, we've had that together. Now, who here has ever had a root canal? Yeah, you people need to start flossing or whatever. I don't know. I've never had a root canal, but I've seen it done before. And, man, it looks incredibly painful. And it looks so weird. That little drill, go through, not good, right? And I have a phobia of the dentist. I don't know what that is, anti-dentite, if you watch Seinfeld or something. I don't know. But, like, I don't do dentists. And so this idea of a root canal, like, I can empathize because that looks awful, but I don't know what that's like. You see the difference in sympathy and empathy here? Proverbs, or 1 Peter uh, chapter 3 tells us as followers of Christ to do this. He says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Peter is telling us to have sympathy or, or to relate in ways that we can relate together, but he's also telling us to have unity and a humble Mind, meaning that we have to develop a capacity to empathize with others when we can't fully relate to whatever it is that they're going through. And the reason that empathy is so important in loving like Jesus, the people that you and I may disagree with, is because empathy helps us understand the place where somebody is coming from and the reason that they may think the way that they do. That empathy actually humanizes the wrong people in our lives. And it helps us to to find some idea of common ground together. We borrow that person's shoes so that we try to think, what would it be like to be them? 
to walk where they've walked, to experience what it is that they've experienced, to think the way that they think and imagine what has caused them to be that way. If we came from the place that they came from, if we experienced the things that they've experienced and to begin to think through how that might affect us like it's had an effect on them, we cannot walk other people's journey in this life. But if we want to love other people like Jesus, we have to practice and get good at empathy so that we can seek to understand. And in doing so, we again show value to that person like Jesus has valued them. Expressing empathy allows us to see that person for who they are, to begin to understand a different point of view and to ultimately Represent Jesus well to people that don't know him. Why is this important? Why is, why is it important to do all this? If we're being honest, there have been times in our life where we were the wrong person. And yet Jesus still loved us. That we're here today and we have a story. That even if, man, we are gung-ho for Jesus and and we're closer to him than we've ever been before, there was a season, there was a time in our life where we were the wrong person. Where what we thought, what we did, what we believed, everything about us was far from Jesus. And we were that wrong person. And in spite of all of that, Jesus still loved us. And if we're being even more honest today, there are still several aspects of our lives where we are the wrong person. Whether we recognize it or not, there are still things in our life where we are wrong. And Jesus still loves us. It's incredible to recognize that it's not just about loving the wrong people, but that we have been and at times are the wrong people. People And if we're being truthful, the only way to find the right way in life is in finding Jesus. Loving like Jesus loves helps people move towards him. Ultimately, we should want people growing towards Jesus more than growing towards any political or social belief or preference that you and I have. And it's not about are right, but rather it is about helping people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus. If you're following along this morning uh, and you have the North Point app out, scroll to the very bottom of that and you will see uh, a link to a website. Uh, and on this website, it will take you to, to version, where you will actually find a five-day Bible study that is all about the idea of loving people that you disagree with. I love this. This was helpful for me. And I would encourage you as you're you're studying this week, as you're looking in and diving into God's word uh, and you want to spend time with him, five days. Take this week and just check out that study. Read through it. Read the scriptures. Read the devotionals. Let it sink in. Let it open up maybe your eyes and heart for the first time or or to ways that you need to be opened up as well. Because we live in a world where many times it, it feels like everybody is fighting over which way to butter their bread. Everybody has a reason. Everybody has a slogan that they share on social media. Everybody is convinced that they know the right way. 
And everybody is quick to make the other side the enemy. Guys, we have to put the weapons down. Part of what makes Jesus so amazing is that he is God literally coming from the right down into the wrong and offering himself through love. Who do you need to go to and offer that same kind of love? Disagree. See the flaws in their thinking. Know in your heart that they may be wrong and still love them like Jesus. Let's pray this morning. Father God, you are incredible. God, there are so much wrong in this world, Lord. There's wrong with others, there's wrong with us, God, and in spite of all the wrong, you came to make it right. God, may we have the capacity and the intentionality, Father, to walk in other people's shoes, to have the wisdom to quit yelling at the wall, God, to show respect to all of your image bearers, Father, so that we may have the opportunity to love like you love and to spread your truth and your gospel to all the world. We love you, Jesus, and pray in your name. Amen.
Jesus loved us. We'll see you next Sunday.